0: If you've got your Bibles, can you turn to Galatians 2, verses 11 to 16, please? But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. Can you imagine that for uh, this May election, by the way, the circumcision party? It doesn't sound so well as the Labour Party or Conservatives, does it? (laughs) Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be uh, justified. Last week, we had Matt uh, preaching about the gospel, uh, and he also stole a little bit of my sermon from this morning. Um, I had thought about possibly just playing a recording of Matt and miming over the top. Um, I know that pop artists do that quite a bit now, so I thought I might join in with them. However, my accent's a little bit different to Matt's, so I thought you might perhaps notice it, so I, I decided not to do that this morning. Uh, what we've got here is um, is quite a controversial um, scripture, really. We've got two heavyweights of, uh, of the Bible here, kind of conflicting with each other. Uh, and I wondered why that would be, really, because obviously we know Peter quite well and we know Paul quite well. So why on earth were they doing this? Um, I just want to give a bit of background, really, so that hopefully we can understand it. Just to give you a bit of history, we've got Peter uh, It's the first guy. He's quite a well-known character. Uh, he was a, a Jew by birth. Uh, he was one of the first disciples that Jesus had called We find in Mark 1 that he was fishing with his brother Andrew um, and Jesus called him and he was known uh, as Simon at that point. And Jesus told him to follow him and he would make him a fisher of men. Uh, Later in Matthew 16, we find that Jesus renames him Peter, uh, which actually means rock and tells him that on this rock he shall build the church. Uh, Peter hadn't really demonstrated that he was a rock by that point. He wasn't a very stable guy. Actually, he had some massive ups and downs. Uh, One moment he would uh, claim that Jesus was the Messiah. Then the next moment uh, he denied him. Uh, So he wasn't really a rock at that point, but Jesus said that he would be. Uh, Later in the book of Acts, we see a very different Peter. Uh, He's filled with the Holy Spirit along with the other apostles, and he appears to be instantly changed. He's characterized as being someone who is uh, filled with boldness and authority. Uh, we actually see that he preaches the gospel and instantly 3,000 people are saved and added to the church. Uh, we also find that uh, he sees many people healed. Uh, he sees demons cast out and the dead raised. Uh, we find that even people were healed as his shadow passed, pa- uh, sorry, as his shadow passed uh, by them. And then finally, we also find that he wrote two books in the Bible. Surprisingly, they're called 1 and 2 Peter. Uh, So we can see that he's got quite a lot of credentials. Secondly, we've got Paul. Uh, We find that uh, our first time we come across him is in Acts chapter 7 at the stoning of Stephen. Saul was known uh, as overseeing the stoning, and the men laid their garments at his feet. Acts 8 goes on to describe how Paul ravaged the church. He entered house after house, dragging people off uh, and seeing them persecuted. Uh, He was actually quite a leading figure in persecuting the church at that time and saw people spread through Judea and Samaria. However, God broke into uh, Saul's life. Uh, He also had a bit of a name change. He became Paul uh, and he was later sent to the Gentiles to declare the gospel to them. We find that he established churches throughout the Mediterranean. A bit like David, he went on a few cruises around the Mediterranean. Uh, He also saw uh, the sick healed, demons cast out and the dead raised. A little bit of a variation. uh, Instead of his shadow, it was actually some hankies and aprons that touched his skin were taken to people and they were healed just by touching those. Um, he also found that uh, whilst he was preaching, someone died whilst he was preaching, and he prayed for them, and they were raised to life. Uh, please, I don't want to practice that one this morning. So if you're feeling a little bit icky, if you can leave, that would be great. Um, we also find that he wrote a, a couple of books as well. Um, just to give you the list, uh, he wrote Romans uh, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Titus, Philemon, and possibly Hebrews. So a few books. Uh, so as you can see, these two guys are some big heavyweights. Uh, you can de- decide which one you think is which. Um, I personally think that the Joe Calzaghi, uh looks a little bit like I imagine Paul to look. Um, but you can decide which one of those is which. Anyway, we find that Paul is enraged about Peter's hypocrisy um, in his eating habits. I don't mean here that um, he's concerned that when he's with uh, Paul, that uh, you know, he wipes his plates with uh, a bit of bread, and then when he's by himself that he licks the plates. It's not those sort of eating habits that we're talking about. We're talking about something much bigger here. Uh, we find that uh, Peter had been happily eating with the Gentiles, uh, and then when certain people came along, he separated himself from them. So something had gone on, which was quite significant. Uh, it was quite a big deal, uh, this whole passage, really. So in order to find out why this was a big deal, we need to look back at the Old Testament. We find in the Old Testament under the Old Covenant that God wanted the Israelites to be a holy people, a people separate for his purposes, and this included restrictions on what they could and couldn't eat. Uh, They were not allowed to eat food such as uh, shellfish or even pork. Um, Is this going to be someone's uh, dinner today, I wonder? Uh, Possibly not, actually. You wouldn't want to spit roast outside today, would you? Um, But they weren't allowed to have such wonderful feasts as this. Um, I actually went onto the Kosher Food website last night uh, and found uh, what the restrictions were. Uh, Details It is this. Number one. Certain animals may not be eaten at all. Only animals that chew its cud and have split hooves may be eaten. Number two, of the animals that may be eaten, the birds and mammals must be slaughtered in accordance with Jewish law. Number three, certain parts of permitted animals may not be eaten. Number four, all blood must be drained from the meat or broiled out of it before it is eaten. Number five, meat. Just to help you with this, the flesh of birds and mammals cannot be eaten with dairy. Number six, eggs, fruits, vegetables and grains are considered pareve and can be eaten with either meat or dairy. Fish is also considered pareve, but some kosher observant Jews do not eat fish with meat. Number seven, utensils that have come into contact with meat while hot may not be used with dairy and vice versa. Utensils that have come into contact with non-kosher food, while hot, may not be used with kosher food. And finally, number eight, grape products made by non-Jews may not be eaten. So it's quite an extensive list, really, and I'm a little bit confused as to what they can eat and can't eat. I think I'll probably just fast, I think. Um, They were also prohibited from eating with Gentiles as well. So you couldn't have invited one of these Jews over to your house because they would have considered us to be unclean. Uh, This was just a part of Jewish life. Both Peter and Paul would have both been brought up to obey this way of life. However, we find in Acts 10 that Peter had a vision of all kinds of animals being laid out before him, and he heard a voice telling him to kill and eat. Peter protested about this, and he said that he had never eaten anything unclean or common. Uh, he he then heard God speaking to him and saying, what God has made clean, do not call common. At that moment, a Gentile called Cornelius was sent to Peter to come and ask him uh, to come to his home and eat with him and his friends. Peter responds in the following way. You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I ask you then why you sent for me. Peter then goes on to preach uh, the gospel to Cornelius and his friends. And as he did this, the Holy Spirit fell on these Gentiles. Peter then went back to the church in Jerusalem and reported all that had happened. Uh, We find at that point that Peter was criticized by those people in the church Uh, particularly the circumcision party. Uh, He was criticized for eating with uncircumcised men. However, Peter responded with the following words, if then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? Again, in Acts 15, this issue raises its head again, as some people are preaching uh, that you're not saved unless you're circumcised. I'm not going to be circumcised, that's for sure. Um, it's Peter again who confronts this and rebukes them for putting a weight around the Gentiles' neck and standing between them and God. This may well have something to do with why Paul was quite uh, taken aback by Peter's response uh, in terms of his eating habits, because he had been someone who had been the first person to uh, go and preach to the Gentiles. He had led the church into that. He had opposed those who said that it was wrong, um, and now he, he was here um, being hypocritical in the way that he was behaving. Um, we see that it would have been quite significant that he had been eating with the Gentiles to start with. The Gentiles probably would have um, thought that he was endorsing uh, that it was okay for the Gentiles to be coming into the church. Uh, if you think about when you eat with people, uh, you have true fellowship with them when you have a meal. And this was actually a significant thing that he had done, but then he had turned back on that when certain people had come along. We find that he completely separated himself away from the Gentiles uh, because he feared the circumcision party, uh, to the point where even Barnabas was led astray by his behaviour as well. Uh, Barnabas was probably Paul's closest companion, and even he was led astray by these actions. We can see why Paul confronts Peter, Paul confronts him saying that Peter has been living like a Gentile despite being a Jew and now wants Gentiles to live like Jews. In other words, Peter had been living free from the restrictions that the Jewish law had put on him, but was effectively asking the Gentiles to now live under that law that he was saying he was free from. Uh, This is a serious issue and one that Paul says in verse 14 is not in step with the truth of the gospel. We're at a crucial point. Think of what it means to eat with someone, like I was saying. Uh, You have real fellowship with them. And now he's broken that by stepping away from them. Uh, We find that Paul confronts this head on and declares, we're not justified by works, but by faith alone. The law will never justify anyone. The law just points out what you have done wrong. It never justifies, it only condemns people. Uh, If we think perhaps about the laws of the land, Um, Just this week, I don't know if you've seen in the news, but a couple of football players have been um, answering to court uh, about their motoring offences. One of those is uh, this chap. Some people might recognise him, Ashley Cole. Uh, He plays for Chelsea, although he doesn't play as much for them now because they've got someone better. Uh, But what happened this week was that he's been banned for four months from driving uh, because he was found to be driving at 104 miles an hour uh, in his nice new Lamborghini. Uh, he then turns and he said that uh, this was because the pepperazzi were following him, and so he wanted to escape them. Uh, so surprisingly, uh, he ended up getting a ban for that. Uh, we find that he'd broken the law, and there was a punishment that came as a result of that. The law says that he should have been driving at 70 miles an hour, and he wasn't. He was driving at 104. Uh, I found that these, I wanted to really work out what it means to be justified. And the best definition I got was this one it's an account that is given in your defence that is seen as having legal grounds for you to not incur the punishment for breaking the law. I'll repeat that again. So it's an account that is given in your defence that is seen as having legal grounds. For you to not incur the punishment for breaking the law. Um, whereas self justification can be defined as the act or an instance of justifying or providing excuses for one's own behaviour. What we find with Ashley Cole is that actually he was trying to justify himself. So when he was asked uh, why he had broken the law, uh, he used that excuse that he was trying to escape a photographer. I don't think that's a good excuse, really. We've got Tim on the front row, He's a photographer. Um, I'm not going to drive down the motorway at 104 miles an hour to escape him, even though he is quite fast on his push bike. Um, But we see this happen uh, again and again, really. We find that Adam and Eve did the same. They pointed to each other and said that it was each other's fault. Um, It doesn't justify us. Uh, We find that uh, with Ashley Cole's case he still ended up with a punishment being uh, in place. The law only ever points out what we've done wrong. It never justifies us. So it was pointed out that he had broken the law, so he had to face the punishment. Uh, We find in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Each one of us has done that. All of us have sinned. All of us have failed. All of us have fallen short of the standards that God sets in place. Our sins deserve punishment. So Ashley Cole, he's got his punishment, but we deserve punishment for our sins as well. Uh, God would not be a just God if he just skimmed over it. He has to deal with it justly. God sees that we've all sinned and fallen short of his glory. So in our defense, what are we going to do? Are we going to point and try and get out of it by going, oh, it was him, it was her? We can't do that. I want you to imagine with me a courtroom scene. You're sat in the place of the accused here, um, and in comes a man with a trolley full of papers. And he comes to the front, and he empties them uh, in front of the judge. And then as he turns around, in comes someone else, and he does the same. And he goes out, and in comes someone else, and he pours some papers out. And soon you find that this whole space is just covered with papers upon papers upon papers. And to your astonishment, you find that actually this is the evidence that's stacked against you. What's happened is that every single thing that you have done wrong has been written in this. You find that actually everything that you have ever done uh, has been written and logged, and it's in those files, ready to be prepared as evidence against you. What are you going to do? How are you going to get out of it? When the first one comes, do you stand there and say, oh, it wasn't my fault. I was r- running away from Tim. Uh, what about the next one or the next one? It, it, sooner or later, our defense won't be good enough. We can't justify ourselves. There's no way that we can stand up and say, I'm okay. We've all sinned, and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. <clears throat> There's not one of us who is better than the other. Uh, We all stand condemned. We're all guilty and we all have rubbish pleas. None of us can justify ourselves. None of us has a good enough case to present to the judge. The sentence is death. This is what the law brings. The law only ever points out our failings. It only ever points out that you failed and that you have no hope. It traps you into slavery and you spend your time thinking about how you can get out of it. However, God broke in. We find that he sent his only son to be born and live on this earth. We find that Jesus lived a perfect life. We find that he lived up to those standards. He never broke the law. He lived a perfect life. Then he sacrificed his life for us. He died to pay the price that we could never have paid. He died so that we could have lived. Jesus died so that we would have a perfect plea before that judge. When the judge now asks, what can you say in response to the charges brought against you? You can stand there with confidence and say, I'm free. You can stand there and say that the price has been paid. This is the gospel. This is the good news. This is what it means to be justified by faith. It's not what we've done, but it's what Christ has done on our behalf. We find that the gospel declares that we have been made righteous by faith in Christ. It's one that declares that there is nothing that we can do to gain our salvation. The gospel declares that we do not earn our salvation, but it is a gift from God freely given us. This is why Paul was so angry with Peter, because he was hijacking this gospel. He was basically saying that you had to add works on top of the gospel, but none of us can justify ourselves with works. We find that there's so many religions in the world. People want to think that it's by their merit that they get to heaven, but it's not. None of us deserve to go to heaven. None of us deserve for the price to be paid, but Jesus has done it for us. There is only one way that we can be declared righteous, and that is through the blood of Jesus. At this point, I'd like to introduce you to this good-looking chap. Uh, you may see the family resemblance. Uh, this gentleman is called George Wishart. Uh, he was born in 1513, and uh, he's one of my ancestors. Uh, he was actually one of the Scottish reformers. He was the mentor of John Knox, and uh, he was labeled a heretic for openly declaring that mother sorry, that Mary neither had or could ever merit for his sins let alone anyone else. He is also accredited for making an English translation of the Confession of Faith of the Churches of Switzerland. His translation includes the following uh, in the bit that he's talking about who Jesus is. And he only is our mediator and intercessor, host and sacrifice, bishop, lord, and our king. Also do we acknowledge and confess him only to be our atonement and ransom our satisfaction, our expiation, our wisdom, our defense, and our only deliverer, refusing utterly all other means of life and salvation except thus by Christ only. George Wishart spent a great deal of time traveling around uh, Scotland preaching these sort of truths. Uh, He spent most of his time preaching from the book of Romans, declaring that we are justified by faith alone that it's nothing to do with our works, nothing to do with what we're in, but only to do with the blood of Jesus. Uh, this so-called heresy uh, got this man killed. Uh, we find that in, uh, in March 1546 uh, that the soldiers from St. Andrew's Castle ushered George Wishart to his place of death. The executioner lit the fire and hung sacks of gunpowder around him. Wish it knelt to ask God for mercy on himself and forgiveness for his persecutors. Uh, His final words were this. Had I taught men's doctrine, I had gotten great thanks by men. But for the word's sake and the true gospel, which was given to me by the grace of God, I suffer this day by men. Not sorrowfully, but with a glad heart and mind. He was then fixed to the stake and died. George Wisher and many others who have gone before him and have come after him have preached the very message that I stand here and preach today that we are justified by faith alone. These are champions of the faith and they stood their ground for the gospel. They realized how central it is to the gospel that we are saved, not because of our works, but only because of Jesus. Paul makes this very clear time and time again. It is so important to Paul. Uh, We find that his past history, he had been a zealous Jew. Uh, He lists his credentials. He says that um, if anyone deserved to uh, be justified because of their works, it was him. He lists that he had been circumcised on the eighth day. He was of the tribe of Benjamin, and that he was a Pharisee. However, he realized that none of this would ever declare him righteous before God. And he declares the following in Romans 3, verses 21 to 31. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. forbearance he had passed over former sins it was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in jesus then what becomes of our boasting by what kind of law by a law of works no but by the law of faith for we hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law or is god the god of jews only Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, (coughs) of Gentiles also, since God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. See, what what he is saying is that there is nothing that we can do to earn our salvation. There is nothing that anyone can say to boast about who they are and about their case before God. It is only through Jesus. It is only through the gift of salvation that we can come and that we can know him. Sometimes we make up our own unwritten rules of conduct. Uh, we, we make up our own ways of, of living, our own ways of, of church life, of what's acceptable. Some, some of us may think that we have to dress in a certain way uh, to come to church. I've probably blown that by wearing a flowery shirt. Uh, Some people might think that we have to uh, take up the offering in a certain way. Some people may think that we have to sing certain songs. Actually, none of this matters. None of this adds to the cross. It's like the message that my computer gave me when I was uh, closing it down earlier. Um, I just had the presentation up that I was just practicing, and as I closed it, it said uh, the following message to me. It said, do you want to save the changes you have made to justification by faith? (laughs) (laughs) I I did take it as a word from the Lord. (laughs) But it's so true. There's nothing that we can do to add to it. There's nothing that we can do to add to justification by faith. Even faith is something that's been given to us by God. There is nothing that we bring into this. As we find, you know, right from the start, even if you think of yourself as a fist of clay that has, been, has life breath, uh, breathed into you, even that fist of clay has had life breathed into it. Even a fist of clay was once just dust. Everything comes from God. And faith comes from him. None of us decides the guest list for heaven. None of us Can decide who is welcome in this church. The gospel is the one that invites all people. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Therefore, all people can be justified through faith in Jesus Christ. Let's not create add ons, let's not create things that can possibly become barriers to other people. We've got such a wonderful gospel. And we shouldn't be adding things onto that. Actually, it's something that liberates us. It's something that brings freedom. It's something that brings confidence and joy. You know, we can actually stand there and we know that we have sinned. We know that we're guilty. And then we stand there and we can say, it's okay, actually, he did it for me. He stands in my place. We can take great confidence in this gospel. This gospel really is good news. It declares that there is nothing we can do to earn our salvation. It declares that our salvation is a free gift from God. Gifts are given, they're not earned. Yeah. When you had your Christmas presents this year, um, I don't think that you deserved them. You were probably just given them because people loved you and they wanted to show that to you. None of us can boast about what we've done. None of us can say, look at me, how great are my works. None of us is different to each other. We've all sinned in the same way. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And we've all been justified in the same way. We've all been justified only through faith in Jesus. God is the one who chose us. And God is the one who saved us. It is through Jesus that we can take confidence and boldly enter the throne room of God. We are saved only by faith. It is not what we've done, nor what we've deserved, but only what Christ has done for us. We've been set free. We should be enjoying our freedom. Sometimes other things come into our life and we look at those and and we get bogged down with them. But actually, we've got some amazing truth here. Um, Some of us perhaps have been Christians for a few years. Uh, I was really surprised. I looked in uh, one of my first Bibles And I looked, uh, my mum had written when I became a Christian in it, uh, and it was when I was nine. And uh, this year, I'm going to be 28. So that's a few years ago, and I was really surprised at that. Um, But some of us were saved many years ago. Others uh, may have been saved only a few months ago. But at that point, something drew us to the gospel, and we realized this for the first time. And it's so easy to go about our lives and forget that, that first love that we had. It's so easy to forget how grateful we should be for this wonderful gospel, this gospel that liberates us, this gospel that brings us freedom. Um, this is the reason that I wanted us to move things around a little bit this morning, was because I want us to respond to this gospel. Uh, I didn't want us just to, to hear about this gospel and then to have a cup of coffee and walk out. I wanted us to worship God. I think that God has done something amazing for us. Uh, Fleur can testify that I've been absolutely buzzing at home because um, I've rediscovered this as if it was the first time that, that I've seen it. I find it amazing that there is nothing that I can do to deserve my salvation. There is nothing that I can do to make God love me more or less. There is nothing that I can do uh, to make him love me more. And I find it incredible. I find it incredible there's nothing that drew him to me there's nothing that i did it's all about him all about what jesus did for us and i find that something to praise him about i find that something to bring joy i find that something to bring confidence i find that something that brings freedom in life and makes me want to share that with everyone that i know it's something that sets me free it's something that just brings a new lease of life and i want us to discover that i want us to respond to that um I want us, as we worship God now, to thank him for what he's done for us. He has done something incredible. We couldn't justify ourselves. He justified us. So I want us, as we worship God, to really come and thank him. Uh, We're going to spend this time worshipping him now.